You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back for another episode. And this is with an incredible, incredible guest, registered dietitian, Vanessa Rosetto, who is so full of information, but also just so down to earth and fun and has very similar philosophy I have towards food and, you know, not dieting, but also has the science to back everything up. Essence named her one of the top five black nutritionists that will make you change the way you think about nutrition. The co-founder of Kalina Health. And her magic really lies in this realistic and personalized approach to nutrition, but she loves science and she's had incredible experience just even working in hospitals and treating people of all types to get a better approach to nutrition. We talk about it all from sugar addiction to the importance of having a balanced and realistic approach at what you eat. I think you guys are going to find this very informative. We do, of course, discuss skincare. I can't let any guests leave without talking about skincare. And she brings up Biologique Recherche P50. And I, I need to tell you guys, this is one of those products that I tried back in like 2019. And I tried to make it work. I actually gave mine away because I was like, it doesn't smell good. And I don't know that it's making my skin better. But consistently, people have been telling me that this is like one of their favorite products. So when multiple people say this is a favorite and I don't like it, I'm like, okay, do I need to try this again? So now she's got me thinking, maybe I need to try P50 again. DM me. Let me know if you guys have used this product, if you like the product. People swear by it. I'm still on the fence. In terms of my own skincare routine, the thing that I've been using every night lately is this Ipara Night Balm. It is incredible. I know everyone is slugging with Vaseline now. Everyone's putting Vaseline on their face at the end of the night. I am supportive of that. If that helps you to seal all of those lovely skincare products you're using in, by all means, slather your face with Vaseline. I am choosing to slather my face with the Apara Brightening Night Balm. Apara is a Black-owned company. It is an expensive product. It's $140. They gifted it to me, so I am savoring every single bit. I just love like a thick, luxurious night balm and nothing against Vaseline. As I said, I, I'm into Vaseline. I think Vaseline is great. I've been putting Vaseline on my lips and on my feet and all of that good stuff at night. This brightening night balm is just very luxurious. It's meant to help with hyperpigmentation 
as well. I can't say if that has helped my hyperpigmentation because I've been doing so many other things for hyperpigmentation, including hydroquinone and vitamin C and sunscreen every day. But it has sweet almond oil. It has plankton extract. It has argan oil. It's very hydrating. And that has been like my go-to product for the last couple of weeks at night. And I've just been loving it. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And Valentine's Day is just around the corner. So we have a special segment presented by Macy's and ACAS Creative all around Valentine's Day, which is actually a very special day for Umut and I. It's, I mean, it's special for all couples, but it's really when our relationship began. It's kind of our anniversary. It's when we made it official that we were dating exclusively. We had a very romantic getaway on the English countryside together. It was Valentine's Day 2013. We went to Babington House. It's like one of the Soho houses, but again, it's on the English countryside. It's gorgeous. There's like a pond and all of the rooms are beautiful. Since then, we have celebrated Valentine's Day everywhere. We've celebrated it in London. Actually, February 2020, I had to be in London for a work trip and Umut flew to London and surprised me Valentine's Day weekend. That was very special. We've celebrated at romantic restaurants in New York City. If you want the most romantic restaurant in the city, if you're in New York, you cannot beat River Cafe. It's on one water street. It's in Brooklyn. The views are incredible. Try to get a seat looking at the water, but literally every single seat in the restaurant is gorgeous. The food is amazing. Last year for Valentine's Day, we went to Montauk and we stayed at a great hotel on the beach, Montauk in the Hamptons. Now, Montauk in the dead of winter is actually very romantic. This year, we're not traveling. We're not going anywhere. We are going to do a romantic meal at home in our apartment. That is just the reality of where we are at as parents in this pandemic. But even though we're going to be home, I needed a look. I needed a look that felt celebratory, that felt fun, that I felt beautiful in. So we went over to Macy's on 34th Street and we had a great shopping experience this Saturday. Okay, Umut's actually with Mavi now, but let me see if I can get him to share his his impressions of our Macy's shopping experience. Okay, Umut, what were your impressions of our shopping experience this Saturday? It was great. I haven't been back to Macy's for a long while and I'm actually very pleasantly surprised with all the fragrance. It was great. I've always grown up going to Macy's, but now as a mom, I really appreciate being able to shop for Mavi, for myself, buy gifts all in one place. They do have an app that you can use for in-store pickup, but I actually wanted to try on. We also had dinner and drinks and their rooftop. It was great. Yes. Stella 34 Trattoria. Like who knew? Pasta, calamari, my cocktail. They were all very good. The eggplant parmesan, delicious. Uh, and Umut, sorry, this is where you need to leave because I'm talking about my Valentine's Day look, which you don't know about yet. So... Good night. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. So I really wanted an elevated but comfortable look. I started on the lingerie floor where I actually found some really sexy but comfortable seamless underwear from Calvin Klein and a matching plunging bra that gives the girls the lift that I was looking for. Then on the fourth floor, I went to the free people section and I found this gorgeous, very romantic blouse top. I'll post about it on Naked Beauty Planet, but it's this cream color with this gorgeous shoulder detail. It's giving very Victorian era, but in 2022, like a sexy version of what someone in a Jane Austen novel would wear. Then I went to the women's Polo Ralph Lauren section and I found this gorgeous silk skirt. So I'll either do the silk skirt 
and that free people top or some stretch velvet pants. I haven't decided just yet, but I'm very happy with my look. And the best part is while Umut was eating with Mavi in the restaurant when they were paying the check and everything, I snuck down to the main floor to check out the fragrance counter and I got him a gift, the new Dior Fragrance Sauvage. So overall, a very successful trip. Thank you, Macy's, for having everything all in one place and an amazing selection. And of course, thank you for your support of Naked Beauty. It means so much. If you're still trying to figure out what to wear for Valentine's Day, what to get for Valentine's Valentine's Day, check out Macy's. Go to their app, go to their website, check out a store. I promise you will leave with everything you need. All right, let's get into today's conversation. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Vanessa, welcome to Naked Beauty. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I At the top of 2022, I did a solo episode that was essentially a rant and tirade against diet culture. I think it's one of the most toxic, horrible things ever. I'm a big believer in intuitive eating, and I myself have fallen in the trap of different diets. I've done low carb. I've cut out sugar. I've, I had the unfortunate experience of having gestational diabetes, so I actually couldn't eat sugar for a while, but... I have had several experiences, you know, and relationships with food throughout my lifetime. And I've now come to a place where I'm just very against diets. So I did a solo episode talking about that and how my relationship with food is changing. And I figured, okay, I should probably bring an expert on, someone like you with your credentials to talk about how we can put kind of intuitive eating into practice, how we can eat to nourish ourselves. So I'm so excited to have you on as like a follow-up discussion that's going to give listeners really actionable advice. So how did you get into the work that you do today around food and nutrition? I was telling someone this story the other day. So I should preface this by saying my father is a wonderful man and I love him so much. And he picked me up from college and he looked at me and said, you're not fat, but you are fatter than you have ever been. And I was like, oh my God. What? <laughs> It was brutal. I mean, like it was 2000. It didn't like motivate me to do anything. I wasn't like, oh, now I'm going to go on some quest to lose weight. But living at home after college and, you know, my mom's from Haiti and I just went back to eating my mother's food because my first job out of college, I made like $25,000 a year. So I couldn't afford to buy lunch every day. And so I naturally just lost weight. And then I got curious about that. I have to say, I'm very lucky. I didn't have a mother who was like constantly dieting or weighing herself. She's from a third world country. So like they talk about in Haiti, 
abject poverty lives next to wealth. So, and there's not infrastructure. So if, it, if there's a rainstorm and the rainstorm washes away a bridge, no one is getting electricity or food, right? Like there's just no infrastructure to build the bridge fast enough. So as far as my mother is concerned, she made the food and we ate it and we better not complain. So that wasn't a thing in my head. And, and I also never had an issue with with weight. So like all my friends were always dieting in high school. And I was like, I don't know, this doesn't pertain to me. So I lost all this weight pretty quickly. I didn't understand how. And I decided to go to a dietitian. I like had foresight. I was like, I should go see a professional. Interesting. And so at what age did you just, did you decide to go to a dietitian? I was like 24, 25. So I had graduated from college at 21. I had lost all that weight in like six months. And then I was just like going through life, not really understanding anything about food or how food affected my body, but I was curious. And wait, where where are you? So we, we're like in early 2000s, which is like also like peak toxic diet culture, but like yeah, where in the world are you? Where have you graduated from? Give us the vibe. Yeah, so like I graduated from Fordham University in the South Bronx. So obviously the food situation around there wasn't... You it's know, like a food desert. Yeah, there's nothing. There's just like Sbarro pizza and like White Castle and pizza. So, so there's that. And now I'm working in the city and I'm 21. So I'm just like drinking with my friends and like having a grand old time. And I just don't understand anything about food. Because, you know, the day that I was leaving for college, my mother was folding my laundry and making me food. And my father would drive food to Fordham University every couple of weeks for me to eat because I didn't want to eat the food that was at the dining hall. Are you an only child? This is very sweet. No, I'm not an only child. But you know, like when your parents are immigrants, they like... Coddle you? Yeah, they don't leave you like this. They're like... <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. So, so, you know, like now I've lost all this weight. Now I'm working in the city at a television company. And that's where we all started. And we all partied all the time. And it was a lot of fun. And my boyfriend, Michael Rosetto, so you can see where this is going, who became my husband, was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, can you buy me a gift card so I could see a dietitian? And he was like, that seems like a trap. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you don't need to lose weight. I was like, no, I just want to understand. And he was like, okay, fine. So he buys me this this gift card. And I go see this woman, Carrie Glassman, who's my friend to this day. She's like, wonderful. And the woman just very pragmatically just talked to me about food and how it affects your body and how you eat just has to align with your goals. There was no diet culture. There was no fad. There was no telling me to restrict. There was none of that. She was just like, like, I was like, I want to understand how I lost all this weight. Like, you know, I, I feel like I have GI issues. She's like, you have GI issues because you don't eat vegetables. You got to eat vegetables. So you should eat vegetables every day, twice a day. That's good for you. Like have a piece of fruit. Nothing wrong with you if you want to have a cookie. She made it like super simple. And from that, Brooke, I lost 17 more pounds just by implementing the things that the woman suggested that were just to like optimize my health. It was, she didn't like make any real suggestions that I had to like take anything away. She was like, these are just the things you should add. This would help you. Yeah. And sometimes simple advice like that, that's straightforward, especially in such a noisy marketplace can make all the difference. Legitimately. And I just thought, wow, this woman, I didn't have an issue with food. She gave me all this clarity and I'm very curious about this. So I'm going to try to go back to school and become a dietitian because I think that could probably help people. Because it was like the time of Atkins and like zone bars. So you went to NYU. Yep, I went to NYU. I did my internship in the hospital, which was so energizing and interesting because 
you're doing this work and you're alongside physicians and nurses learning about people medically, which is like amazing, right? It opens so much up. And, and the juxtaposition of placement of hospitals in New York City are, if anyone notices, a lot of them are near housing projects, but New York City is the Mecca of medicine, right? Like I would have the person from the projects across the street and Saudi Arabian princes and celebrities, and I would have to give them the same information. So it got me really good at talking to people of all like literacy levels and socioeconomic levels. And then, and that was great. It's like, wow, I could really help people. As long as people have access, you could help them. Yes. Explain it to them in a way that they get. And I was like, I'm, I want to do this. I, I got to get out of the hospital because it's like depressing. Everybody's dying and I don't want to be here. And I, <laughs> I got I to gotta go do this. So I started a private practice. NYU asked me to come back and, and be the dietetic internship director. So I did that. And then Tamara and I, my co-founder, started Polina. And our whole thing was we're going to take insurance so that everybody has access. People can see people that look like them, telling them about nutrition. And there's no gimmick. There's no fad. There's no diet. Like when people come to me and they're like, I really think intermittent fasting is what's working for me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, why don't we just do it my way this week? Yeah. And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to your intermittent fasting. Oh my gosh. Well, let's talk about intermittent fasting because so it's so funny. Sometimes I just, and this is bad, get so busy that I don't eat until later in the day. And it's like, it's like, giving myself too much credit to say it's intermittent fasting because it's not intentional. It's actually just being forgetful. There's no like rhyme or reason. It's just like, oh shoot, it's 2 p.m. and I've only had iced coffee. But people will swear up and down that intermittent fasting is the thing that works for them. And my theory is that if you only have, I don't know, eight or maybe six hours to eat instead of 12 hours to eat, it's harder to pack in as many calories in a shorter time span. Is that essentially what's happening? Yes, but the problem is, is that many people, it's like a way for them to perpetuate their disordered eating. And so what they do is I'm intermittent fasting, but I'm going to use those six hours to load myself up with nonsense that's not helping me. So I'm, I'm over drinking alcohol. I'm overeating sweets I, because I, I'm just trying to be able to figure out a way to eat all the things that I enjoy and not feel guilty about it. So I'm just going to pack it in, in this, in these hours. And then to your point, only eat like 400 calories for the day. And it's like, there's a better way to live guys. <laughs> I know. And I feel like, you know, so many people have disordered eating and it's oftentimes not rep. It's like sometimes represented as just like you're, you're anorexic or you have binge eating disorder. And I, I find that there's such a spectrum that so many people experience how do you develop like a sustainable approach? I'm sure you coach your clients through this all the time, but how do you develop a sustainable approach to nutrition that doesn't feel like something that you can't keep up with? Yeah, I think that everybody is so hard on themselves and everybody is trying to like put a label to all of the ways that they're eating. And I'm like, and there's so much noise. Like you said before, the space is super fragmented. There's all this noise. There's like, well, there's this intuitive eating camp. And then there's this like, diet culture camp. And the truth is that there's a place in the middle and it's okay to live in those places, right? It's okay to be someone to say, I've gone to the doctor, I've gotten my labs, I'm clinically obese because obesity is a chronic disease. And so if we start talking about it in such a term, it could help people. So I have to do something about these labs and I can look at the way that I eat and say, I'm not doing anything 
for myself in the way that I eat. That's not saying that I need to lose weight per se. It's about, I could be eating some vegetables. That's going to help me. Those have fiber and that's going to help lower my lipid panels. And I could eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner so that I have more timed meals so that at night I don't overeat and end up, you know, binging on sweets and other things because I didn't properly fuel myself during the day. That's me. You've identified my problem. <laughs> or I, or I, I've been restricting carbs all day. It's really interesting. I always get these clients that I'll be like, I'm counting macros. And I'm like, you should not count macros. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, well, if I tell you to eat 190 grams of carbohydrates, are you going to eat them? And they're like, I'll do whatever you say. No, you won't. But okay, let's let's do this exercise. Eat 160 grams of carbs. I do some a mathematical equation. Eat 160 grams of carbs today. And I'll inevitably get a text at the end of the day and say, I had 100 grams of carbs, so I ate cookies. I'm like, and that's why you don't need to be counting macros. You need to just understand that like, we need to have carbohydrates in the day. Sometimes for people, like you just said, you've identified me. So for you, it would probably be beneficial for you to have your carbs earlier in the day. It's going to help you feel more full, satiated. So then at night, you're not binging on sweets. Not to say that you're not going to have a carb at night. Yes, I think, and not to make this whole uh, discussion about me, but I think one of my challenges, I'm not hungry in the morning. And I honestly haven't been from like a very young age. Like I'm just, when I wake up, I just don't, food is just so not like unappealing, but like, I like, I like need to like almost like be awake and like build up an appetite. And that's fine. So you're not a breakfast person and we don't need to have breakfast, but we have to remember that you'll probably benefit from some sort of carb protein snack around this time. Yeah. Like around like a four o'clock. Yeah. So this would be the time where like, maybe you would have a yogurt and a piece of fruit. Maybe you want to like do like a sweet potato. I love, I like hate sweet potatoes, but I love them. I have this weird relationship with them. I love sweet potatoes. (laughs) So I'll do like a half of a sweet potato and I'll put like everything but the bagel seasoning and some hot sauce and then like an egg. That would be a great snack for you and then have your dinner. And then I'd be curious to see how you feel in the PM. And a lot of it, also this like wanting a sweet thing to end my meal with, it's a lot of it is like in my head where like when you're a dessert or sweets lover, it's like you you can have the healthiest, you can have the most fulfilling meal, but like you need that sugar hit at the end. And it's so funny. I tried substituting tea, like, oh, I'll just have like a really nice tea. And the only thing I thought of with every sip of tea was like a cookie, a piece of cake would really set this tea off. Like I just, it made me want it more. I'm the same. I bought this cranberry tea. I went to a spa with my cousin. We had like a spa treatment. They gave me this cranberry tea. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. I'm going to have this every night. And it's going to stop me from eating the cookie at the end of the night. Now I just put the cookie next to the tea. And that's what I have while I'm watching my show. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, and that's the other thing that I like, I feel like I keep telling, like talking about on this podcast is like, it's okay to have like I was fighting with myself so much. I, I had in my mind this very disturbed idea that I would become sugar-free, that I would like free myself from sugar addiction, which is just, what was I thinking? But for people that do just in a measured way want to cut down their sugar intake, because there are you know noted health benefits to consuming less sugar. It's better for our skin. It's better for everything. What are some ways that we can think about cutting down sugar? Yeah. So really easily is just looking at the added sugar. So women are supposed to be taking in, I think it's like no more than 25 grams of added sugar per day. So you can just look at the back of labels and just see like how much added sugar did I have today? And is that in the sugar grams line? 
Yeah. So you'll see, it'll say total sugar and then it'll say added sugar. And so I did this myself because much like you, I, I'm a sweets person. I always have been my whole life. When I was a kid, my grandmother would have bars of chocolate waiting for me when I would come over and I would eat the whole bar in one sitting, like, it was, you know, <laughs> and it would bring me joy. So I started doing it. And then you start to make some, some different choices, like even like the bread that I eat. So I used to eat one kind of bread, but it had, you know, four grams of added sugar. So now I eat a different kind of bread that has zero added sugar. So it's not, I'm not eating like diet food. I'm just paying closer attention to what I'm taking in because you're right. The added sugar is affecting your lifespan and your longevity. And so I still have my little mini ice cream coat at night or my little cookie with my tea. But in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this is the end of the day. And to, and the end of the day, I did not hit that 25 grams of added sugar. And so I feel good with that. And I think that's a very like simple, non-obsessed way to be. Maybe, you know, last night I went to dinner with a friend for her birthday at Balthazar's where I saw Jesse Williams. So that made it amazing because he's gorgeous. And, <laughs> and I had a chocolate mousse. I'm sure that was 80 grams of added sugar, but it was delicious, right? Right. I, I, keep it moving. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Tomorrow's a new day. Exactly. He- heavy on the not obsess, which brings me to emotional eating, which is something that we should obviously all avoid, but it happens. How do you recognize when you're emotionally eating? If you are finding yourself in a position where like, you're like, okay, I'm eating this whole bag of chips and it's emotional. I don't actually like, I'm not even actually tasting it or enjoying it. How do you talk to yourself in a way that allows you to stop <laughs> the action once you've even recognized it? Well, I think first is that we have to recognize the pattern. So most people who emotionally eat know they emotionally eat. So great. You know that you do that. And so now can you start to see the times when you do it? So you have to admit to yourself, like, I'm an emotional eater. Okay. Now I had a really stressful experience with my boss and I went immediately to eating the bag of chips. And the next day I had an emotionally stressful experience with my boss and I went to eating the bag of chips. So once you can identify when it's happening and why it's happening, then you could say, okay, this is the pattern. This is how I cope because I don't want to feel my feelings. So what are the things that I need to do here? This is avoidance. And so is this making me feel better to eat the bag of chips? Maybe it is. And we can move on from that. We don't have anything to talk about. Or maybe we need to seek therapy. Maybe it's fine for us to just walk outside and call a friend. But giving yourself grace and acknowledging that everybody has a relationship with food and that relationship is complex. And it's even more compounded because we have to eat every day. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And Binge eating is such a tricky and complicated thing. And I'm, I'm also very careful to not say I have a binge eating disorder because that's like, a, like I think I, there have been times in my life that I have like binged, but I also know that there's like a certain amount of times per week that it has to happen for you to like actually be diagnosed with that disorder. What is like the like clinical definition of someone who's suffering from binge eating disorder? So people who binge eat are people that will they know that they have, they're full. They will eat until sometimes they even vomit. They do it as part of a way to control, even though it seems that they're out of control. And it looks like different things for different people and it cycles in and out. But I mean, do people sometimes binge on, it's okay to say like, I binged today. I, I, ate, I'm, I don't have a binge eating disorder, but I binged on whatever. People do it all the time. And it's really like a defense mechanism. It's a, it's a way for people to not feel their feelings. It's kind of like how people drink, right? Like they come home from work and they had a stressful day and they just start drinking because they don't want to deal with whatever 
what's going on. Or maybe they don't want to deal with something that's inside the home. So it's the same thing here. It's just like a way for them to be in, in control and hide away from what's really going on. Interesting. That lack of control while it's happening, though, I definitely relate to like this feeling of Oreos, I think are a binge trigger for me where I'll be like, I'll just have two Oreos. And then I I, I have this feeling like I, I truly cannot stop. Like, I know I want to stop. I know I should stop. But I, I feel I need another and another. And I don't know sometimes how to stop, even though I know it's not good for me. Also, you know, when people are like, eat and drink whatever you want, whenever you want, and then eventually you'll tire of eating those things. And you're like, wait, 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 there's a caveat here. Because some of these foods we know have chemicals that are addictive so that you don't stop, right? So there's that. But also like fueling yourself in the day. Yeah, that's big. So when you said like, when I wake up in the morning, I don't, I'm not really hungry and I have to work up an appetite. That's fair. And then it's like, am I fueling myself appropriately throughout the day so that I'm setting myself up for success? So not saying that I'm not going to eat the Oreos, but if I'm properly fueled and I've had enough protein and I've had enough carbs, then maybe I'll just have four Oreo cookies and not asleep. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that for that's been a big game changer for me is just like making sure that I'm eating enough during the day, even while skipping breakfast so that at the end of the night, I'm not like searching for extra calories in my uh, sweets drawer. I think also though, you should change that language. You're not skipping breakfast. You're not someone who eats breakfast because it doesn't make you feel good. So if you're not skipping it, it's just not part of your like diet or like your eating pattern. That's just not what you do. And that's okay. Totally. And and also because I've just never had breakfast and people are like, oh, so you intermittent fast. I'm like, again, no, I just don't, I'm not in the habit of eating breakfast. What do you think about people who choose not to have trigger foods in the house? Do you think that that's an effective way of dealing with it? Do you think that it sometimes maybe creates like not too much intrigue, but like, it's like almost like if you put sweets up on this pedestal where you can't even be around them, then it becomes something that you overindulge in. How do you like talk your clients through? I can't seem to stop myself around these triggers. Do you encourage them to not have them in the house? Yeah. So that one is so tricky, right? So like, for example, I have all this candy in the house. My kids can have candy whenever they want and they don't do it. Like, you know, when it first comes in the house, they're like, yes. And then they forget about it, right? It's not, it's not the thing for them. So that's worked. And so probably for them, these foods won't be triggered. This triggers because the food was always around. And the reason why I think about that is because in my house, we didn't have sweets. In my cousin's house, their mother made a cake, a marble cake every week. And I was the only one that ever ate it because I was at their house. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that like, what gives people peace? If it gives you peace to not have it in your house, because you know, you will eat it till it's gone. And then you're going to feel really terrible about yourself. Then you don't have it in your house. And, but you're okay that if I go to Brooke's house and she has cookies, I'm going to eat them and that's going to be fine. And that's a one-time thing. And I'm not going to feel guilty. That's where I enjoyed it. But I'm just, I just can't do it in my own house. I don't think that gives you an eating disorder. I think that gives you a lot of self-awareness and you know, what's going to make you like go crazy or not. And so staying away from something, like if I'm an alcoholic and I don't have alcohol in the house, you're not going to say that I'm doing the wrong thing, right? Right, yeah. So it's just very tricky and the lines are always blurred. So if I know that I will overeat sweets every day and I cannot stop myself, 
it's perfectly okay for me not to have those in the house. Yeah. I have also found that for me, one of the things that's helped the most is having like food that's like already ready to consume that I can like munch on and like eat throughout the day that doesn't require me to cook. Like I think I went too far to like having all these groceries and thinking about meal prep, but then it would be like the end of the day after work. And I'm like, I don't feel like putting together this whole elaborate meal right now. But sometimes from Fresh Direct, right? Order groceries, like I'll buy the like pre-made steamed brown rice or the pre-made quinoa, even though it only takes like 20 minutes to make quinoa. Sometimes just having it ready is so much easier than like starting from scratch. And I found that that's allowed me to eat a lot healthier. What are nice, fulfilling dinner ideas that like make you feel good, but aren't really complicated to make? It's so funny. I was saying, talking about this earlier because I'm always telling people, I'm like, just go get a rotisserie chicken. The rotisserie chicken will... I love a chicken. Yeah, it will last you for four days. Like I will get a rotisserie chicken for my family. I'll cut it up. We, on Sundays, I'll buy, I buy vegetables and the kids help chop them up. And so you can just grab fresh veggies and put them on your plate at all times in my house instead of having to like roast up broccoli, like all those things. That's like annoying the frozen quinoa rice. I just put it in the, in the microwave, cook that up and we're ready to go. Then the next day I'll shred it. I'll put like Buffalo sauce. I'll put it in a, you know, a tortilla on the pan and cheese. And now I've made a quesadilla. Like, and I just keep, I just keep moving it down. Right. Yeah. So those, those kinds of things, sometimes I'll buy like fruit, like Whole Foods has wild frozen shrimp in a bag. So I'll just take it out in the morning and leave it in the sink and then it'll defrost and then I'll just cook them on a pan really fast. Shrimp is so fast. So fast. Uh, you can also, another thing you can do with shrimp, this is um, I'll get it from the store, do like clean deveined. I'll put it on a sheet pan, 450 for eight minutes with olive oil, garlic powder, crushed red pepper flakes, and then like get a salad and keep, that's it. Here we go. I love it. Well, you know what? You've mentioned two things since we've been talking that I think we need to put people onto in terms of like your condiment game. You mentioned everything bagel seasoning, which, wow, what a game changer. I, I'm sad that I only bought my first one like three months ago. And you mentioned buffalo sauce, but like, let's talk about condiments because I feel like getting your condiment game on point can really make eating at home so much more enjoyable. It will elevate everything. So that everything but the bagel seasoning is... So good. Everything everything. Put it on your spinach, put it on your eggs, put it on the sweet potato. You will be so amazed at how it just like levels up something that's super bland. You have no idea. Then hot sauce, all kinds of hot sauce. Find the one that you like. Do it. Everybody, please. Garlic powder, crushed red pepper flakes, onion powder, paprika. Guys, just sprinkle it. Like get chicken, and also I don't buy chicken breasts because they're too thick. Now I'm into chicken tenders because of the kids. And I'm like, yeah, this is genius. So then I season it up, little lemon, put it on a pan, cook it up quick. So you need to use spice, condiments. Don't be afraid. Also like feta cheese, blue cheese, like level up your salad, pecans, pistachios. Yes. Leveling up things by having just like little simple add-ons. Um, I also love adding like goji berries that I pre-soak in water so they're not so like hard or like if I really want to splurge, I'll buy some dates and like chop those up and add that to salads. 
I went to a all plant-based um, wellness retreat in Mexico, which was incredible. And I learned so much about different plant-based meals. And so when I think about cooking without dairy, like without adding cheese to stuff, I love Asian flavors. And I am now obsessed with kimchi, which I know fermented foods are like so good. And I'm like, why, why haven't I been using kimchi? And so now I'll do like a brown rice bowl with like salmon and I'll add some kimchi. And it just like adds such a lovely complex flavor and crunch. Yep. People don't realize because they're just into eating the same thing all the time. Like I go to Trader Joe's and I look at the nuts and I'm like, what nuts am I going to put on today? So now I'm really into these like candied, spicy pecans. They're like sweet and spicy. I just put like a few Then I do scallions. I'll do like champagne vinegar, rice wine vinegar, cucumber, red peppers. I just, whatever, throw it all in there, mix it up. Delicious. Okay. I'm like excited to make dinner tonight. Let's talk about these labs that you keep mentioning. Okay. So, you know, I feel like nobody wants to talk about that part, right? Like if you have high cholesterol, high triglycerides, LDL is high, VLDL is high, and your father had a heart attack at 50, you probably want to do take some preventive measures to make sure that you don't have a heart attack at 50. So we want to order the way that you eat and make sure you're doing everything that you can to really understand if I eat this way, does that put my labs in a normal range and give me like a good chance? Or I'm eating in this way that should be giving me a a good head start and I still am not moving the needle. So I probably need medication. I need to be paying attention to those things, right? I always think about like lifespan. Now that I'm 43, I'm just like, I'm just trying to live to 90 without problems. Like I'm just like, you look very young. I'm like very you. I'm sure it's all of the great nutrition you're ingesting. Water, drink a lot of water. But I you know, I, I just want to like go to sleep one day and wake up with God. So I'm really paying attention to those things. But you know, people come to you and they have type two diabetes and they don't know it or they do know it and they don't know how to help themselves. So I, looking at the labs is a really great way to measure success without putting pressure on looking at a scale. Right. And so it's a blood test. Yeah, just going to your doctor. Is it something that like insurance covers? Can you just go to your doctor and ask for it? Yeah, so so for us, like if you were my patient, I would ask if you had labs in the last year. You say no, I'd be like, great, who's your doctor? Ask the doctor to test these labs and the doctor would do it. And because the doctor ordered them, the insurance would pay, I would see them and then we could know what to work on. Interesting. And what do you commonly see are like the things that come back on labs for? Because I, th- I would imagine that even like stress and lifestyle, I'm sure you have a lot of clients that are busy and work a lot like that probably shows up in labs. Like what are the common themes that you see? Well, first of all, I see a lot of people with high blood pressure that, which me, myself included, my doctor's like, can you have more mindfulness? I'm like, I live in a circus. It's not possible, but I'm trying. (laughs) Like you don't even know. I do see a lot of elevated lipids. What does that mean? So your triglycerides, all your heart labs, right? Triglycerides, HDL, LDL. I don't necessarily care so much about total cholesterol by itself, but when I'm looking at ratios, you know, if I see the LDL, the HDL and the total cholesterol, that number's over five, that's not good. Triglyceride, that number over 150 is not good. LDL is the biggest predictor of stroke and heart attack. So if it's over 125, that's a problem. So people need to be aware of those things. And everyone is so confused as to what to eat, when to eat, how to eat it, that it affects their labs. We're also better at diagnosing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So it's like literally a ring of fat around 
your liver, which is not good, right? Because it could lead to cancer or cirrhotic liver and those aren't things that we would want. And people are coming to me and they're like, why is this happening? I'm like, because everybody is so, is like intermittent fasting. And what is that doing to your labs? What is that doing to your hormones? How is that really affecting you on a day-to-day? Maybe it's not something you could see on the external, but it's affecting you internally. So the more that people just eat a varied diet and like, to your point, what feels good to you? It feels good to you not to have breakfast. That's fine. We need to just have something extra at the end of the day. And that's going to set you up for success. Those are things that people need to be like understanding and also like not feeling guilty about or having shame around like what your pattern is and what you believe works for you. Yes. I think getting rid of guilt and shame is honestly like half the battle and not feeling guilty for eating certain foods. You mentioned hormones, my periods coming up that may be TMI. And I find that I get actually like hungrier, like leading up to it and maybe like days one and two. It's not even necessarily that I have cravings, like the stereotype of like, oh, craving chocolate or salty foods. I'm just hungrier. How have you found that periods affect women's relationship with nutrition? Are there things that we should eat more depending on where we are in our cycle? Um, And also just foods to make that time of month more pleasant. Yeah. So when you're about to have your period, right? Like the progesterone is really high and this is a time where you feel like you're hungrier, you want to hibernate, you don't want to go out there and see people and you just want to eat the food. Yeah. What's going to make me feel safe and nourished? And so it's not like fake, you know, like it happens. And then also some people, their weight swings like five pounds right before they, they get their period. And then the progesterone drops and then you, you know, you're menstruating and then things sort of start to level out. Like as the time goes on, then like estrogen starts to rise. So in that time, it's like where you feel most energized, like in that middle of the cycle. And so that's where you should be like exercising more and like, just like eating like foods that are just energizing and probably like lean meats and, and vegetables. And maybe you don't really want a ton of carbs. And so people eat for their cycles and it it does work for them really well. But I think women feel shame around how they feel around their periods, but it's just like biological and it's not something we can necessarily help. Like, right. You know, you could go to acupuncture and you could try to eat foods that will help support you, but it's not always hard and fast, right? Everyone's hormones behave differently. Totally. I think the other thing that I'm also realizing is, again, like growing up, 2000s diet culture was really bad. And they like took fat out of so many foods. And I like grew up having like skim milk in the house and like 0% yogurt and like all of these just weird, like fat free foods. And now as an adult, when I, maybe my son is like, I buy whole milk for him all the time. Like I love whole milk. Like when I order a latte now, I know everyone loves oat milk, which like great if you need a, a, a dairy alternative, but like I love whole milk. I love whole milk yogurt. I love like making oatmeal with like whole milk and like cinnamon and honey. Like, and I feel that that really like satiates me and like makes me feel fulfilled in a way that like skim milk and even like almond milk didn't. Yeah. Skim milk grosses me out. I I remember the nineties when like all my friends would eat like snack wells and they would be like, it's like, they're like, it's like a free food. Like we literally thought that if it was fat free, it didn't, it didn't count. <laughs> so we were just like all kinds of messed up back then. But you know what, even, even in like more recent, I mean, we were, we were, we had a conversation on this podcast about the master cleanse diet and how like psychotic that was, but juice fasting and juice cleanses were like pretty recent. I mean, I think about juice press and juicery and, you know, Gwyneth talking about it. And 
I can remember even working in my early 20s in New York when like people would just be like, I have my juices in the fridge. And, you know, I was interning at Condé Nast and I'd say so many of the editors were just not eating. And I'm like, maybe this is why they're all in a bad mood all the time because they're hungry. That's exactly why, because they didn't eat food. I remember Jamba Juice. I remember people being like, you want to go to Jamba Juice? I'm like, nah, I got to chew my food. This is not normal. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and and juice is lovely. Like, it's great to like have like a juice and a smoothie, but like in addition to real food. And I feel like pretty recent history, there was like this whole trend about substituting juice for food, which is really dangerous. People are still talking about celery juice every day. Like it's some sort of like it's some, yeah, like celery juice saved my life. And, and, and and I'm like, guys, what? (laughs) No, the thing that kills me about the celery juice conversation is like, why would you think that the juice is better than eating a piece of celery? Also, if there was a magic that actually worked, don't you think we would all be on it? Right, right. It'd be on the front page of the New York Times. Like, yeah, yeah. But it's, I think it's like a status symbol, right? You have to have a certain type of juicer and it's like this beautiful green cut, you know, it's, 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 it's a whole thing. Sometimes planning is helpful when you're trying to have a healthier relationship with food or like improve your nutrition. How do you like think about helping people plan around food? Yeah, I ask people to look at what their week is going to look like. So maybe you're going to have lunch out twice and dinner out twice. Okay. And then you sort of act accordingly. So like I said earlier, I always get like the fresh vegetables and cook them up with my kids. And those are in the refrigerator in a Tupperware with water and those are fresh. And so everybody can just grab and go. Right. And then I'll always make a grain and just have it in the refrigerator. So again, it's very easy for us to just like take a scoop or whatever, however much, put it on the plate and like construct our, our dinner that way. And then maybe I'll prepare some turkey burgers and I'll wrap them in plastic wrap and, you know, eight minutes on each side. But I'm never like, you know, those like the meals in the containers that just like overwhelms you. And by Thursday, you don't want to eat it anyway. So it's, it's like annoying. <laughs> so, so I, I'll always get some chicken. I think, you know, recently we've been making chicken marsala like every week because I've learned how to make it. I was like, oh, this is, this is delicious and fun. Um, I think that always having vegetables and always having a grain and then making the protein pretty accessible. Like you could also just order like chicken breasts or you could also order sushi, for example, for dinner and then just like have the extra vegetable and maybe have the extra grain. Like, so you can construct things however you want. And just take the pressure off because having like all your meals planned every single day, it sounds like hell. Yeah, I totally agree. And you mentioned, you know, having immigrant family, uh, Haiti, a lot of people come from cultures where, I don't know, the popular diet foods are just very foreign to like what they've seen at home, right? So if you're coming from a culture with like just totally different foods and maybe a lot of those foods just naturally are cooked in a lot of oils or I'm thinking about my family in the South where it's like candied yams and collard greens and macaroni and cheese and ham and all that good stuff, which I love. But if I was living that way or expected to eat that way every day, it would probably be an issue. And I find that a lot of kind of diet foods, or I'm putting diet in quotes, like healthy foods aren't reflective of diverse communities, right? It's like the chicken breast and the steamed broccoli. And and if that's really far from what you've grown up eating or what you associate with good food, it can be hard to kind of keep on track. How do you kind of be cognizant of that as you're talking to your, your clients? 
like if I say chicken, I don't say chicken breast. I just say chicken. And I'm like, okay, well, what grains are you used to eating? And also, I think I think kale is disgusting. (laughs) I'm also like, you know, what's the difference between kale and collards? At least collards have flavor. Kale is just like rough and like not my favorite thing. Um, So I definitely take in people's culture. That you know, that was interesting thing about the dietitian that I saw all those years ago is that my mother has rice and beans on her stove right now. I'm, she lives 50 mi- 40 miles away, right? And, or maybe 20 miles away, but 40 minutes for me to get there. And she probably made a lasagna tonight, or maybe she roasted a chicken, but there's always going to be rice and beans on the stove in case you don't like what she made. So like rice and beans is every single day. And that woman never told me not to eat the rice and beans. She just was like, the serving size is half a cup. If your goal is weight management, if you don't care, don't care. Like, you know, it, this is what it is people should be allowed to eat the foods that they like. My eyes were opened when I worked on transplant at Sinai and I met a man from Bangladesh and he had just had a kidney transplant. And he told me that every morning he ate grilled grapefruit. That's a traditional Bangladesh uh, breakfast. And I was like, you can't eat that because your anti-rejection medication is going to react and you're going to get sick and you're going to have rejection. And he was like, I'm 65 years old. I've been eating this every single day since I'm like three years old. So like, you're going to have to figure it out. So I went to the pharmacist and I was like, what can we do? And they're like, we can just adjust the medication. We didn't realize that. And that was very eye-opening for me, right? Because I'm over here like, patient, I'm culturally competent. Clearly I wasn't and I needed a lesson. How was it going to work? So I, I always go back to that. And I just think, let's just find out what people like and then give it back to them. Yeah, that's great. What about for people that are back home with their family and they feel like food is being pushed on them? And a lot of cultures, it's seen as like impolite to like refuse the second plate or, you know, that's how some family members show love by like cooking for you. But maybe you don't want to eat all of what they've prepared. How do you help people navigate that? Yeah. So, you know, your family is your family and whatever your relationship is with them is your relationship. But you're an adult now, so your parents aren't going to, you know, you're not going to sit at the table until you clean your plate. And you can be very polite and just take a tablespoon of something and just say, you know, I tasted it and I wanted to try everything and I'm full or I had a big lunch. Or you can also just say, I'm full. I've had enough now. So thanks. You know, and they and they can talk and remember, but remember, you're going to go home. You don't live there anymore. So it's okay for you to say no. No is very empowering. So people should practice saying it more and more. Yes, you set the boundary. What about for people that are looking to gain weight? That's, you know, also something that we're seeing so commonly now, especially, and I think it's such a shame because oftentimes the body types that they aspire to are just as unattainable as like the super skinny supermodel of the 2000s. Now it's just like you have a tiny waist and shapely thighs and a huge butt. And, you know, it's not oftentimes a, a surgically enhanced body that people are like striving towards, but a lot of people want to gain weight, which is also challenging to do if your body is naturally, you know, very slim. How do you coach people towards gaining weight? I tell people like, Hey, we can try if you, you know, I had a woman once who was like, my family makes fun of me because I'm so thin. And Okay. And she's like, but I've been thin my whole life. Great. Like there's nothing you're going to, we're not going to be able to do anything about this. Like also she was in her fifties. So I was like, 
this is likely not going to change. And I think that you really need to have a frank conversation with your family because this is your body type. This is your makeup. And also she had had some heart issues previously. I'm like, you're also like doing yourself a disservice because you're drinking like juices. And she was like trying to engage in like eating all these fatty foods to try to like get that weight up. And it wasn't working, but it was reflective in, in her lab values. So your body is your body. And so my son has always been in the 10th percentile for weight. He's probably always going to be like that. There's nothing to do about that, right? And he eats normally and and, th- and that's what it is. So we just have to realize that. And like, to your point, I always say like, everyone's trying to strive for JLo, but you don't have JLo money. So stop. <laughs> right. You don't have her resources. She should not be the person you, as- you can't aspire to be like her. <laughs> it's not possible. So I, I, yeah, like there are, there are healthy ways to try to gain weight. You should, you know, we can try to gain muscle, but that it comes in conjunction with the workouts and the, and the heavy lifting. And do you have time for that? Are you willing to commit to that? That it's not just about the eating. The eating is, that's not going to be the method. You know, drinking whole milk and eating Snickers bars is not going to help you gain weight. You're going to have to add muscle to that. So there's a lot of work there that has to be done. So what are the things, Vanessa, that you do? You know, you're a mom, you're working, you have this business as well. What are the things you do to feel like your best self? I mean, my skincare routine is very serious. Ooh, <laughs> tell, me, tell me your favorite products. Okay, I toggle between all of the things. So recently, I have a lot of like hyperpigmentation. So I was using Skin Medica, like the Latera to lighten up and I saw a difference. But then I heard about that, like the PV550 or whatever, which is... The Biologique Recherche P50? Yeah, Yeah, P50 from Biologique Recherche. How do you feel about that smell though? It's very off-putting to me. Yeah, the smell is pretty bad, but my facialist told me to only do it at night. But I woke up the other day and I was like, wow, my skin looks very bright. Like, it just looks really good. And then I'll, you know, it's different in the winter than the summer. So, you know, hyaluronic acid and then like a moisturizer. And so it just makes me, it makes me feel like I'm really like taking care. <laughs> yes. What's your, what's your go-to winter moisturizer right now? So I'm using um, the Skin Medica Dermalogic and it's just like very thick and it's, and I just like smear it on and I I feel like, okay, I'm going to, I'm hydrating myself. And I drink like a hundred ounces of water every single day. (laughs) Is the myth around water, I've, I've talked to different dermatologists about this. I've heard so many different things about water. Like they say you can get hydrated up to a point where like there's like basic hydration and then there's like overdoing it. Do you agree with that? Yeah, because you could definitely have like water toxicity. But, you know, people will come to you and they'll be like, I drink three eight ounce glasses of water a day. And you're like, that is not enough. Not enough. I know. (laughs) And and a lot of people, you know what? It's so interesting. Until you really monitor your water intake, sometimes you don't realize how little water you're drinking because you can just be busy and you don't have it accessible. Now, now with working from home, I feel like my water intake, I mean, I always have like sparkling water. I've got tea. I've got like a million, million drinks next to me at all times. But, you know, when you're like on the go and running around or in the office, sometimes it's actually hard to get that water in if you don't have like a big water bottle next to you all the time. Totally. If I'm not in my house, I won't drink water all day. Yeah. It, it can be, it can be hard to get, get that water in. So you do, you do, you said a hundred ounces. I do a hundred ounces. And do you have like a tracker, like one of those like water bottles with the like? No, but this one is 40 ounces. So I drink about two and a half. And, you know, it has the straw. And so it just, it does the thing for me. So it's good. And I have tea. 
Yeah. Tea. What, what's your go-to tea? So I have this Bigelow cranberry tea that I found like when I went to the spa and now I drink it all the time. It's so good. <laughs> Order it off Amazon. Do you just do it with water? Do you add honey? Nope. Just water, like plain. And I drink it and I'll have, I get these um, mini chocolate covered graham crackers from Trader Joe's. And I just like put three, three by my side and I'm watching my show and drinking my tea. It's really nice. Okay. I like chocolate covered graham crackers and cranberry tea. Sounds like such an amazing combination. Like I'm going to try this. It's so good. And like, I don't know what's going to happen in the summertime. You know, in the summertime, all bets are off. I'm, I don't want any tea. It's too hot. Like I don't want to deal with it. But in the winter, it's just like nice and cozy. And I don't know. I'm going to try this. Yeah. Final question. I ask all of my guests this question and it's when do you feel most beautiful? You know what? Every day, my son comes in the room at six o'clock in the morning and he's like, mommy, you're my favorite. I'm like, I love you. Yeah. How old is he? He's going to be eight next week. Oh, I can't wait until my son is like old enough to talk to me. That's so sweet. It's your, it's going to like melt your heart. Like, like my daughter is, is wonderful and she's so sweet and she's very kind and she's going to be 10 and, but She's like, you know, like, hey, mom, whatever. But Rocco is like, mommy, you're my favorite parent. Mommy, <laughs> mommy, do you want to play with me? Mommy, can you listen to me read? I'm like, oh, you're so nice. And one day you're going to have a girlfriend and, or a boyfriend and leave me in the street. So I'm just... <laughs> soak it up while you can. Soak it up. Soak it up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, it's been so wonderful talking to you. If people want to learn more about you and Kalina Health, where should they follow you? Vanessa Rosetto RD is my Instagram handle, or they can go to um, www.kalinahealth.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So that was my conversation with Vanessa. I hope you guys didn't get too hungry listening, but that you feel inspired and have all of these dinner ideas. Maybe your online grocery cart is filled up with kimchi and new seasonings that you're going to incorporate into your dinners this week. And I'm going to be back next week with a new episode. And this is going to be like one of my favorite episodes ever. This is going to be the first Monday of Black History Month. And we are doing an episode entirely dedicated to Josephine Baker. Yes, the iconic Josephine Baker. I talked to author and historian Nichelle Gaynor. You may know her book or her very popular Instagram page, Vintage Black Glamour. And we just go through Josephine Baker's amazing life. I feel like she is truly that girl. And there is so much we can learn from her life. She would be like a dream, dream naked beauty guest. I just, I'm so inspired by her. I think she's so incredible. And it was just really fun to speak about such an amazing historical figure, not just a great Black historical figure, not just a great Black woman, but just a true, true icon in a league of her own. So you can look forward to that next week. Thank you guys so much for listening, for all of the support, for all of the love, all of the DMs, all of the screenshots as you're listening. It means the world to me. Thank you guys so much. And we'll talk next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.